0: Hello, America, and happy Wednesday, a very busy news day and a sad day in America. The horrible tragedy at that elementary school in Uvalde, Texas is on all of our hearts. It's weighing heavily so sad to see the suffering of families, to see the beautiful faces and lives that were snuffed out by an evil 18-year-old gunman who walked into an elementary school and the middle of the day, where kids should feel safe all the time and mowed down an entire classroom and two teachers as well. All the children were between the ages of eight and nine, heartbreaking, and we are going to give our best thoughts, our prayers to everyone who was affected by this tragedy, including the first responders and officers who were there, the teachers, the children who survived that will almost certainly be traumatized. It is an extraordinary day, a sad day in American history. There's nothing really we can say other than we condemn this and we cry out and reach out to help all those who have been negatively impacted. This is a long healing process. People who went through the Parkland shooting, who went through the Virginia Tech shooting, who went through the Columbine shooting or the Sandy Hook shooting, which was in the backyard of where I grew up in Connecticut, these healing processes aren't days or weeks, they're years in years and some never fully recover. We need to reach out and show unity in America, not politics, but unity in America, and do that. Now, I wanna point out something about this because the first responders who came in extraordinary speed included the Customs and Border Patrol agents in that border town of Uvalde. Let's think about that for a second. How many times in the last two or three years have Democrats and liberals demeaned, derided, insulted, falsely accused Custom Border Patrol, questioned their patriotism, questioned their loyalty, questioned their reason for existing. Those were the people, those border agents who went in without any protection and engaged this gunman. One of them, we believe, at least in the current initial police reporting, actually was the one who managed to neutralize this evil shooter. How often do Democrats slight this extraordinary group of men and women that protect us at the border or certainly try to do so? And today, will they commend the heroes or will they just ignore the sacrifice that these agents showed? One of them, I believe, wounded in, in the course of this gunfight. We're going to address that a little bit more just a few minutes because we have an unbelievable lineup today. First up, one of my favorite interviews, he's the former commissioner of the Customs Border Patrol, a lifelong member of the police. Mark Morgan's here. Worked for the LAPD, he worked for the FBI, and then became the commissioner, acting commissioner of the Customs and Border Patrol. Mark Morgan is an extraordinary man. We're gonna ask him about those brave CPB agents. And also, another story that broke yesterday that should disturb every single one of us. You know what it is? There was a plot by an Iraqi national living in the United States to assassinate former President George W. Bush. The plot relied entirely on the idea that Joe Biden had left our border wide open. Folks, there is a consequence every day. This one got stopped thanks to the good work of the FBI and others. How many terrorist, criminal minded assassins, robbers, rapists, child molesters are getting through that we don't catch, that we don't stop their plots? The open border is ultimately very consequential. The Biden Justice Department had to admit it when they indicted this man. They were going to ask Mark Morgan about that as well. And then we're going to turn to a really great and powerful voice in Congress, Congressman Warren Davidson from Ohio. One of the few guys, one of the few members of Congress willing to speak out about the national debt and out-of-control government spending. He has been very concerned since the day we reported it with Michelle Bachman about the Biden administration's willingness to surrender American autonomy, uh, American supremacy to the whims and decisions of the World Health Organization, a globalist move that has real serious consequences. And we're going to talk to Congressman Davidson about that. He's been a very strong voice on that. He's also been very concerned about the woke liberal ideology that's being spread across the military and its potential effect on readiness, on military cohesion. He's one of the strongest and smartest thinkers on that project. And I think we'll also ask him as well about the heroes and vilification of our great Southern Border Patrol. And then finally, we're going to end up with a remarkable story today. I love bringing these guys on every time they come. The Consumers Research does real investigations, real research, real meaningful, impactful things. Will Hild, the executive director of Consumers Research, is going to be here to break a story about State Farm Insurance. Yeah, you know them. They're the ones that have the Aaron Rodgers commercials that make you snicker. They're always fun. They've got a great media savvy marketing campaign. Well, they were involved in a program to target sexually explicit LGBTQ books to children as young as five. That's right. I'm not making this up. It's actually in the State Farm internal documents that consumers research did. Yes, they were pushing these through libraries, through individual teachers and school districts to get these uh, books around parents and into the hands of children, many too young to be able to process the complex issues that are contained in them. Because of consumer research's work, State Farm has dropped from the program, but that doesn't end the story. There are other corporate sponsors. There are books already in the circulation. We're going to talk to Will Hild about what's going to be done in that front and the growing idea that corporations somehow have a role in raising your children. I thought that was your job and my job. It doesn't take a village, and it sure as heck doesn't take a corporate village to raise children. It takes mom and dad to do that, and those who are trying to hijack that process are going to pay a dear price. There's no doubt about it. All right, we've got three great guests back to back to back, so let's get started right away. We'll be right back after the commercial break with Mark Morgan, the former commissioner of the Customs and Border Protection, then followed by Congressman Warren Davis, and then we'll round out the day with an extraordinary story about a woke state farm program. Getting LGBTQ books into the hands of five-year-olds. Will Hild, the Executive Director of Consumers Research, will be here for that. Let's take that commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. I always love having this guest on because he is a straight talker. He lets you know exactly where the facts are. Joining us right now is the former acting commissioner of the Border Protection Agency and one of the truly one of the best law enforcement experts I know in the country, Mark Morgan. Mark, great to have you back on. John, you're too kind. Thanks for having me. Well, you've had an incredible career, LAPD, FBI, CPB. Uh, you've been serving your country in so many capacities, and I I want to start off because you know the men and women of the uh, Customs and Border Protection Agency, unlike uh, very few others. I mean, you have an enormous vantage point as their former leader, being in the ranks with them. The uh, Yesterday, we saw this extraordinary heroism of the CPB agents going in, putting their life at risk to neutralize uh, this heinous killer. These are the same CPB agents that for the last two years have endured relentless attacks from the left, from Democratic politicians, the disconnect between the rhetoric of the Democrats and the heroism that you saw yesterday.
1: Yeah, and you know what? It's not just the past two years. I mean, and it's not just Border Patrol. It's the demonization of the law enforcement community across the United States for several years now. And you're right, John, there's a complete disconnect. I know. I put a badge on my chest and holster gun up. I've been a city cop for LAPD, like you said, FBI and et cetera. and and I know what's in the hearts and minds of the men and women of law enforcement. I know what's in their DNA, and that's to protect and serve at any cost, including risking their own lives, and that's what we saw yesterday. Literally, literally, multiple uh, uh, time zones Uh, among this incident, you saw law enforcement running towards gunfire. Look, at the very beginning, what we just learned, a resource, a school officer engaged the uh, suspect before he made entry. After he made entry, local law enforcement engaged him. Actual gun battle going on, that drove him to drop a bag of ammunition, and then he drove into a, to a classroom to barricade himself. Unfortunately, that's where the carnage began. And then, as you said, uh, a, a team of, of law enforcement officers led by a Border Patrol. Uh, uh, it's actually, a, he's a member of BORTAC. It's the, it's the Border Patrol's kind of a to a SWAT team, actually breached the door, kicked in the door, engaged, and eliminated the threat uh, at their own risk. Of one of the Border Trolls was shot, uh, and he's doing okay, but, but no doubt their heroism saved countless lives.
0: It's a remarkable thing to watch people run into danger because most times we see the video footage of people trying to flee from harm, but every one of those officers put themselves in enormous risk, but they wanted to stop uh, the carnage and uh, their heroism is un- unreal. We're less than 24 hours from this, or just about 24 hours from this horrible episode, and uh, the Governor Abbott and the law enforcement are about to do a briefing, and in walks Beto or work to make a show. And to suggest that this is a really simple fix these uh, school shootings, um, and that is just just you know do gun control and it, it's all going to go away. Your reaction to seeing that sort of a political stunt in a moment of mourning, in a moment when we're trying to get serious information about what happened.
1: My reaction was the same as you vowed mayor. He heard it loud and clear. And I tell you what, I was actually clapping on my television. He was fired up and he was saying how
2: predictable
1: this was from Bader Work, how this was a political stunt. He actually called him, you know, get out of here, you SOB. And I was right with that mayor, one hundred percent, John. It was pathetic. It was disgusting. I mean, there are dead Children, they haven't even buried some of these children yet. And you've got this disgusting individual making this about politics. And and, and again, you and I discussed this briefly. This is a very complex, complicated issue to address. This isn't just, hey, we do this magical thing, and it'll prevent the next shooting. Uh, that's that You're not living in, 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 in reality. you live in an alternate universe. The reality is that this is, takes extensive community involvement and engagement, as well as proactive preventative measures from a host of different entities well beyond just law enforcement. There's a mental health aspect to this. There's red a flag law aspect of this. Every single one of these shootings, there's leakage. I've been doing this for a long time. Every single active shooter, John, there's some form of leakage. We need to better understand and identify the leakage, know what the leakage is, and then get it to the right entity to prevent the incident from happening. In addition to that, we need to continue to look to how we can more effectively harden vulnerable targets like schools. And I could go on and on. The point is, this is a hard, complicated, complex issue it's, we cannot go back to our political ideological corners like Beto O'Rourke did. It's absolutely disgusting, and it does nothing to prevent the next active shooting situation.
0: Yeah, and you know, for the last 10 or 12 of these shootings, mass shootings, the politics are all that we see. We don't see a yep. real solution, but it wasn't that long ago. In fact, it was 15 years ago this spring that the worst school shooting in, in American history happened That at Virginia Tech University, and after that, there was a bipartisan effort. Governor Kane, uh, the uh, Democratic governor at the time, and Republicans got together, and they they made this uh, a large blue ribbon commission that did a lot of review. and They made ninety recommendations, and why is that important? Because it shows how complicated this issue is. Stopping mass shooters is not a on-off switch. There are multiple things. A lot of it dealt with mental health. Most of those recommendations, despite the bipartisanship, despite the detailed efforts they went through, never got implemented. How does that happen? How does Washington fail to take a bipartisan opportunity and get things done? Because mental illness seems to be at the root of so many of these mass shootings.
1: Yeah, that, that's like right, John. Look, from the shooting in the episode, what one thing that was positive was done was a new law. So if I was in FBI for a long time, and and, and most uh, Americans don't understand that that prior to to, to that shooting incident in in Virginia Tech, the, the FBI, for example, had limited jurisdiction because it was considered a homicide. The federal agency, FBI doesn't get involved in local homicide issues. And so they had to change the law to say if there was a shooting of three or more that were dead, then the FBI federally could get involved. So there were some very positive things, but you're right. The answer is clear, right, is because about three or four days, we'll stop talking about it. Then the politicians go back to their ideological political corners and nothing ever gets done. They revert right back to their political talking points. Heck, John, we had the president of the United States, the night of the shooting, get out. Look, I, I, his first few minutes, what he was saying was good. And I thought, OK, he, yeah. he's got a great opportunity. This defines leadership. Yeah, These are moments flipped. that does that. And then he just went right down the rabbit hole of making uh, uh, reinstating uh, the, the typical t- political talking points. He talked about no effective solution. He didn't mention mental health. He didn't talk about leakage. He didn't talk about red flag laws. He didn't talk about securing a better and more effectively hardened, vulnerable target, and none of that. It is absolutely just. As as I think outrageous almost is what Beto O'Rourke did
0: Yeah, you're right And you know what uh, Here's something Beto O'Rourke didn't mention When he was yelling at Governor Abbott uh, His own leader of the Senate Chuck Schumer said just a little while ago He, he has no plans for a gun control vote he, The Democratic leader is not even going to bring gun control Because I think at the end of the day They know this is something bigger than that Remarkable that uh, they get away with these little stunts on TV with the news media. Uh, I want to flip to something else that's very important. You you know the border better than anyone. You've been one of the most cogent voices from the moment uh, Joe Biden won the election, warning how dangerous this border was going to become. Yesterday, there is an indictment by the Biden Justice Department of an Iraqi national accused of plotting to assassinate. Uh, uh, former President George W. Bush. And in that indictment, it lays out how he concocted the plan because the open border, the insecure border, was going to be how he slipped the assassins in and out. Your reaction to the the, the direct acknowledgement by the Justice Department that the open border was part of an assassination plan?
1: Not surprised at all. Look, I I, I think we already have the risks that have already entered our country illegally. Look, this is the third element in in about the same amount of weeks right now. So let's go through them real quickly. First of all, we just learned from a FOIA, we, we actually had to have a congressional member FOIA Customs and Border Protection get the data that that under this administration, they've encountered 42 illegal aliens on the FBI's terror screening database. We just learned this week also, John, that that a suspected terrorist was actually released because of the mandate and the pressure to just simply process and release illegal aliens as fast as possible. Later to learn that the FBI had derogatory information and it took ICE over two weeks to locate and apprehend this individual (laughs) that was just walking around the United States. And now the third element to hit the third bombshell is, as you said, the FBI thwarted a terrorist attack that was planned against a former president of the United States. And, quote, in the indictment, the subject who was talking to an FBI informant said, yes, I was going to bring in four or five more terrorists through the southwest border because it was easy because it was wide open. And if I can real quick, sorry, the director Ray of the FBI he, he's right now testifying. He was I was watching he was asking a question a question just a few minutes ago about the vulnerability in the southwest border. He finally admitted that yes, clearly that the terrorists are going to look for any vulnerability to exploit and and we do have a vulnerability in our southwest border.
0: Yeah, it, uh, uh, there's been a few moments for Chris Ray in the last uh, couple of months where I think he's finally taken on the Biden administration. In January, he gave that extraordinary speech at the Reagan Library saying uh, that China was the number one threat. It was, as, it was equal to the threat of the Soviet Union at the height of the Cold War, and we weren't fighting it that way. Sadly, two weeks after he gave that speech, the Justice Department shut down the China Initiative, which was helping to round up some of the Chinese spies. So I guess that fell on deaf ears. But again, today, I think you saw him beginning to acknowledge first the cartels are spilling in easily and now we have this uh, terrorist vulnerability a little late But glad that he's he's finally getting on the 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 facts for the American people
1: You're a little more generous than I am, John, because I, I think part <laughs> the only reason why he's doing it is because he's being forced to jail, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the, the facts are there. I mean, now, now he's got an investigation that, that literally connects the border, literally lays it out what we've been saying for years, that border security is national security. No longer can he pretend. No longer can he play politics. No longer can he try to hide from it. It's right there in black and white. Uh, and so now I, I think people, including Darker are, are being forced to admit the truth right now. And 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 that's why we keep saying this is about border security. Illegal immigration drives border resources off the front line, off the national security mission. Our borders are wide open. Terrorists are coming in, gang members, criminal aliens, and drugs pouring in kill Americans every single day. Uh, we're living in an alternate universe. Why we're allowing this to happen.
0: We are. That's so well said that we are living in an alternate universe. Uh, real quickly, I know that people were excited that a judge in Louisiana uh, blocked the Biden administration from. Uh, 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 retracting uh, Title 42, the health rule that was keeping a lot of the immigrants out. But the fact of the matter is, it's sort of a Pyrrhic victory, right? Because over the last six weeks, the CPV has been given all of these exemptions. It basically riddled Title 42 with all these loopholes. Um, Title 42 is really no longer effective, is it?
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I, I say it was a victory with a small V, but there's two things. One, you hit, you hit on it. But, but first of all, look, even, look, Title 42 technically has been in place during the entire uh, Biden administration, and we're in the worst catastrophic crisis on the southwest border in our lifetime. So let's, look, look I always just say when Title 42 ends, it's going to be like the Hindenburg crashing into the Titanic. Make no mistake, with or without Title 42, we're in the worst crisis at our southwest border in our lifetime, but second to your point, John is always you're spot on. Look, they they, they carved out unaccompanied minors title forty two right away. They are they already don't apply title forty two to apply 90 percent of families, and then even single adults, which they call CDNs, for example, Cubans, uh, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans. These uh, single adults uh, are not amenable. Mexico won't take them back under title forty two, so they're releasing them. So you're already right. The only element that they're even applying title forty two right now is single adults and the majority of those are Mexican nationals. But look, once Title Forty Two goes away, they can apply expedited removal to those same demographic of Mexican nationals. That's so right. you're you're absolutely right. That that's why I say it's a it's a victory as a small V.
0: We had um, just a little bit ago on on the show Former Army Ranger, great uh, member of Congress, Congressman Warren Davidson, and he said that the one thing Republicans can do next year is to box Joe Biden on the border by using the power of the purse strings to just mandate things he can no longer do. That may be our first turning point in this crisis, right?
1: It is. Look, this is where, John, where, where we all have to do just like we're holding Democrats responsible. If the Republicans take back the House and the Senate, we've got to hold the Republicans accountable. Just recently, uh, uh, Tom Holman and I and a couple of others, we were lucky enough to brief the Republican House committee. Uh, about uh, 150, 160 Republicans showed up. And one of the things we talked about, John, is we provided them this coalition letter that, that we are part of. Sixteen conservative think tank organizations, plus a dozen former Trump officials from the Department of Justice. Justice, Department of Homeland Security and Department of State signed this letter and really produced a, a legislative roadmap uh, that, that really needs to be done uh, by the Republicans when they take over the House again. It's clear if they do this, we'll be able to secure our border and protect this country, save American lives. And uh, it's going to also enable us to hold them accountable uh, to make sure it's going to take legislative courage. But The roadmap is there and we're going we're to need to hold them accountable.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. One thing I want to ask, I want to go back to the shooting as the last thought, because you have such a big uh, understanding of law enforcement and prevention. I know a lot of people are going to throw up their hands and say nothing's going to happen again. But it does seem like there's a bipartisan opportunity to do some red flag legislation at the federal level to match. I think it's 19 states have the red flag laws now. Is that a step in the right direction? Could that do some good compared to some of the other issues that Democrats are throwing out there?
1: Yeah, it does, because the red flag, it's going gonna, it's gonna to enable you to flag multiple elements, including mental health issues and et cetera. But, but here's, here's my cautionary statements with red flag. just as the name sounds it sounds obvious and and some things are obvious red flags right not everything is that's why i go back to leakage if you look the fbi and the secret service has studied this for decades and there's multiple publications out there and that's where they first coined the term leakage it was really after columbine uh and, and so leakage what makes it so hard about leakage is you don't always know it when you see it. Um, you know, it's dismissed a lot of times. Oh, he's just blowing off steam. Oh, well, he's just mad, right? So it, it's, it's, it's important. It's not gonna look like a red flag, if you will, right? And so that's why it's important that we, we hit all of these elements, the mental health, the red flag, the leakage and awareness, hardened targets, and et cetera. Yeah. And, and and one last thing, let's not, let's not forget, we we also have to talk about social media's responsibility. Yeah. This shooter we know that he actually put out on Facebook, I believe it was, that he was going to shoot his grandmother, then yeah. he shoots his grandmother, and then after he shoots his grandmother, he does another post saying he's going to go to school and kill a bunch of kids. Yeah. And then 30
0: minutes later, he goes to school and kills a bunch of kids. Yeah, there's no doubt. It looks like that was in a private messaging part of the Facebook app, but still, at some point, that's where bad guys are going to and, and post their intent there has to be a way to screen there while also balancing the privacy interests of Americans. But
1: John, that, that's right. We we, we just, well, my point is we just need to discuss this yeah. as, as a big There's a way to solve this. Yeah. Right, right. That's it.
0: That's well, it. that's why uh, we were so lucky you were in government so long. And I'm sure you're going to be back in someday because we need bright minds and honest thinkers like you. Mark, you've always done so much for your country. And I want to thank you for joining us, Dave. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me as always. Great to have you on. Okay, we'll see you in a little bit. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this commercial message. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. folks welcome back from the commercial break so excited to have this next guest on he's a former army ranger he's the current congressman from the great state of ohio warren davidson congressman great to have you on today
3: john always an honor to talk with you thank you
0: you are one of the most eloquent voices in congress when it comes to the fiscal insanity and the need to get our spending and our debt which are both out of control under control uh is this the election where americans give enough of a mandate that things can get done next year
3: well, it, it, no matter what mandate they get, Joe Biden's not going to receive the message. You know, he and Nancy Pelosi have both said that, you know, build back better, spending even more money, it, it would would help inflation. You know, their solution to inflation is to spend more money. Yeah. And, you know, that's Bernie Sanders, economic advisor, talking there uh, with some dressed up words, modern monetary theory, uh, which is just destroying the value uh, of our dollars by you know hurting the spending power. People are seeing that. Right now in inflation, you know, you can't buy as much stuff with your paycheck. Everything got more expensive. And why did it? Because we printed, you know, <laughs> $6 trillion over the past few years. And uh, it would only be made worse by spending an extra 2 or $3 trillion uh, like they
0: want to yeah it's extraordinary it's putting gasoline on a raging fire that's uh, and uh, they don't seem to uh they don't seem to get it or care for that matter um as you look out uh, what are some of the most important things that members of congress can do if, if if republicans get control next year what are the most important things you're still gonna have a democratic white house but what could you do to start to fix some of the problems that bidenomics have created for this country
3: well, look, you you are going to have – look, the national debt uh, and deficit spending are real threats to our country. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, Milton Frieden, Friedman, he won a Nobel Prize for quantity theory of money, i.e. if you create a whole bunch of money, there's going to be inflation. Uh, it seems really fundamental. Uh, people want to deny it. And frankly, let, just stay on the Democratic side of the aisle. Uh, you know, Larry Summers, former Democratic uh, uh, Secretary of the Treasury – uh, Democrats vilified him, and he pointed out, "No, this isn't going to work. You're going to cause inflation," and uh, and lo and behold, he was accurate. And that's the <laughs> range of debate we used to have. Yeah, right. You used to have Republicans disagreeing with people like Larry Summers. Larry Summers is where Larry Summers always was, and Republicans, for the most part, are where they were, except a handful of drifted left uh, as Democrats have pulled the country so far left. And I think we've got to get control of that. And I. You've got to you've got to look at an honest way to score uh, the spending. So you right. say, how much is this really costing us? Uh, no, another observation by Milton Friedman, you know, you don't get inflation under control until the interest rate is higher than the inflation rate. Yep. And think what that would mean for us if we had 10 percent uh, interest rates to cover 9 percent inflation. Uh, it would cripple us fiscally. I yeah. mean, this is a, this is a lethal blow to our economy. And people want to pretend that that's not a threat. We have to deal with that next year. So, you know, there are two things that have to pass next year. One's the debt ceiling, and uh, of course, we've committed to spend the money. We're not we don't want it to default on our debt. But when you ask for a line of credit, it's it's always what's always going to come in is well, okay, what's your plan to repay it? So we have to get some fiscal discipline uh, commitments in exchange for the debt ceiling hike next year. And of course, the other thing we're going to fund our government. We have to we're we're probably with Joe Biden in presidency. We're going to spend more money than we should. uh, But but we are going to have to put some handcuffs on uh, the administration to say none of these funds may be used to do whatever. And you absolutely have to secure the border.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Now, the dangers are there. Let me ask you about that, because there was a very dramatic indictment yesterday that that, uh, charged an Iraqi national living in the United States with a plot to assassinate uh, former President George W. Bush endemic to the plot, the, uh, and this is the Biden Justice Department telling this story in the indictment, was the idea that they were going to take advantage of the open porous border to sneak in the assassins and then sneak them back out. There was that much confidence in the terror plot uh, to that they could take advantage of the border. Uh, when uh, our Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas says the border is secure, seems like this case would debunk that right out of the box, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, look, we, we know the border's not secure and they know the border's not secure. It's it's not like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris need to finally go down to the border to see uh, and observe and go, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize it was this bad. They know it's that bad. It's that bad by design. They've worked to create the policies and they delivered on the promises that they were going to do for uh, open borders. What have they not done? Well, they still fixed uh, DACA. Remember the people they promised they were going right. to take care of? They want to keep the political issues alive, and meanwhile, they've conflated immigration with border security, and we have to decouple those. We have to have a secure border. Border security, as this case highlights, border security is national security. And uh, that, that's why Republicans really have to draw a line and say, "Look, we want to fund a government. We don't want to shut it down. No, we don't really want to spend as much money as the Biden administration. But if you want to spend a lot of money uh, let's talk about what you what you can't do and what you must do. And one of those things has to be to secure the border.
0: Yeah, man. And that's the power of the purse strings. If if Republicans have that, they can actually affect some change. i got to get everything out of Joe Biden. But there's nothing like the power of the purse strings in Congress to put some strictures on it. And I, I there seems to be in it. You work with the caucus every day. It seems like Republicans are all beginning to oar in the same direction. They they have a, a pretty uh, consistent plan on how to tackle this. Uh, you feel that way right now?
3: You know, I think the plan's coming together. Uh, we, we had a pretty good playback when Paul Ryan was there. That's we didn't right. didn't call the plays. Right. You know, it was yeah, like, the plan was there. They didn't the use it. <laughs> People were asking, like, well, well okay, well, why do you not have a plan? Like, there's a plan. See, I got the playbook right here. It's right here. It's yep. in the book. Uh, and it's like, why are we not calling the plays? And so, yes, uh, the step one begins with a good plan. Uh, you know, I think we're working together to do that pretty well. Um, but then when we do it, we're going to have to actually – Call the plays this time, and uh, you know, take the heat. And people are going to push back and say, "Oh, you know, you're going to do this or that or the other thing," fear mongering and everything else. But it, we got to keep our promises and do what we know we have to do. We have to deal with the debt. We have to deal with this really weak Biden administration. You know, weakness invites aggression.
0: Of course. We're working
3: towards another war, even as they go into Ukraine. You know, let's not forget they they told Zelensky. Uh, you know, the country's going to fall in a matter of days. We can give you a ride out. Thankfully, the guy's a real leader. And he said, yeah. you know, uh, I don't need a ride. I need ammo. Uh, and now they've swung the other way and they're paying five times, five, six times as much as the rest of the world to cover for their own weakness.
0: Is it time for the Europeans to chip in a little bit more?
3: Yeah, absolutely. That should be a condition of our aid is, you know, we're we're part of NATO. We're not covering for six times the rest of the world. Uh, You know, NATO should pitch in. We should be a a relevant member of NATO, but we shouldn't carry the whole load. We're not mercenaries.
0: Yeah, exactly. You've served your country um, in the front lines with, with the military as an Army Ranger. There's a lot going on today that doesn't seem to have to do anything with military strategy, defense, and security. It seems to have to do with social engineering. How concerned are you about some of the wokeness that's gotten into the Pentagon?
3: Oh, good grief. The Army's coming up with a new drill where if you feel unsafe in the community you're in, uh, not, not, not due to violence or anything, but because, you know, somebody might uh, misgender somebody else or something, uh, whatnot that, you know, that you could ask for a, a compassionate reassignment, uh, to place you know, more woke apparently. Uh, but, but, you know, look, constitutional protections are there for civil liberties. Right. Uh, and so, you know, you're, you're fundamentally teaching an army to, to break contact instead of fighting for the right thing. If there's real discrimination, you know, uh, people are people are constitutionally protected. Uh, and so the military, a good commander would actually defend his troops, not uh, help them flee contact yeah. uh, you know, in our own country uh, over things like that. And I think just our enemies laugh at us when we look at, uh, at an army that can't figure out, uh, you know, wh- whether you're a man or a woman, uh, you know, maybe they can't figure out which end the ammo goes in.
0: It's pretty scary, and uh, this whole draft policy that they're talking about—the flee—it actually has some of the same uh, sentiments that they told uh, Zelensky, which is just flee from danger, flee from conflict, which is not what our military do—they stand their ground. But there are all these laws already in on the books at every state, and every state is responsible to uphold the constitution. Isn't this a solution without a problem?
3: Yeah, I mean the 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 solution that they're they're fundamentally trying to do though is they're trying to repopulate the military. With uh, with kind of a whole woke uh, culture. Right. So they're trying to drive out kind of the you know, the the culture that, uh, you know, has populated our military for years and somehow motivate these young woke folks to go in and push the non woke folks to stay out and say, oh, you know, this might not be my might be the right place for you uh uh, and, you know, they've tried that with all sorts of things in our culture. They sure have. So, you know, look. the good news is, look, not all Democrats believe that and, and not even all Democrats in Congress believe that. But the people that are controlling this party, when they say they want to fundamentally remake America, they need it. And they're working to do it with our military, just like they've been trying to do it with education.
0: Yeah. It's a, how concerned are you that this focus on issues like this, which, by the way, don't really bring anything to the security of the country, keeps our eye off the ball on things like military readiness, re- resupplying our our uh, ammunition. Obviously, we send a lot to Ukraine. We're going to get more defense me- uh, equipment together. <clears throat> Do we have our eye off the ball a little bit?
3: Oh, uh, 100% we have our eye off the ball on a lot of things. Look, um, you know, uh, General Milley has kind of led that. You know, I think instead of studying white Rage, you should have been studying uh, how to have a successful evacuation of a country. You don't have to have served a day in uniform to know that first you take the civilians out – You never leave uh, people behind enemy lines, and then you bring the military out. Uh, You get that same chain of command leading uh, today. You get that same chain of command that said that, uh, you know, uh, Ukraine would fall in days uh, leading today. And you get that same chain of command driving, you know, this, you know, woke uh, uh, culture war training throughout our military. I just talked with a a young officer who's been deployed around the country uh, and deployed overseas. And it didn't matter whether he was in America in a training situation in an active unit in a forward deployed unit. The one thing that was sure to go on was sensitivity training and look, we sure. want everybody to get along we want cohesive sure. training we want cohesive teams, but we want them to be focused on fighting and winning our wars, not uh you know not not so much uh, which pronouns to use yeah. uh, but it is truly i 'll tell you this the the inspiring thing I was at West Point's graduation this past Saturday we commissioned oh, fantastic. Uh, 1,014 new second lieutenants out of there. And whether it's the people that enlist and raise their hand and take the oath or the people that go to ROTC, uh, officer candidate school, or from very emblematically from our nation's military academies, you know, we have an all volunteer force and the caliber of the young people that are, that are committing to serve our country, you know, gives you a lot of hope for the future. You know, we're going to be okay. We've got to get the good people to go serve. We've got to let Uh, From the ground up, our military is very good. It's really kind of top down. And that's where you see uh, problems in our military. It's being driven from the top down, very politicized. Same sort of thing that you see in the FBI. You look your rank and file members in the FBI all through the Department of Justice. It's a top down kind of corruption. Uh, The people from the bottom up, great institutions, and we have to defend them
0: yeah no they really are and you see it in this trial playing out with sussman where the agents were trying to do the right thing every time in the seventh floor of the fbi kept telling them no do it our way the political way and uh, you could see the pain on those agents faces as they were testifying i want to take you to a thing that you've also been really strong on i don't think a lot of people understand how consequential this is you talked about the military surrendering our ground in afghanistan before we got our citizens out and then we tell zelensky surrender before you know just the first volley of uh, russian attacks already they want to surrender they, they now joe biden wants to surrender american autonomy to the world health organization with these amendments how concerned should everyday americans be about this uh, soon to be uh, taking effect, um, World Health Organization change.
3: Well, the, the real issue is th- that it just reveals what Joe Biden would be inclined to do. You know, we know he's weak. Right. He's covering for a weak and underfunded NATO right now. Uh, he's uh, he's covering for, you know, weakness in the Middle East. He, he won't even talk to Saudi Arabia, but he'll cut deals with Iran. This is crazy. Uh, he's weak uh, with defending Israel. He's weak at our border. Uh, and he's done nothing to provide any accountability for the World Health Organization. And instead, he's giving them more money and more authority. And it just gives him cover to say, well, you know, but, but uh, the scientists said this at the World Health Organization. It gives him cover for his weakness. And, you know, no strong president's going to come in and honor that, just like we had a strong president came in and said, we're not going to follow this Paris Climate Accord. And, you know, we're not going to. Put up with this Iran deal. Uh, if we have a strong president, they're not going to put up with this stupid uh, World Health Organization uh, treaty that Joe Biden's trying to obligate our country to. And part of the reason is it's not going to go through the Senate. The Senate is where we commit to treaties. And so uh, it's not legally binding on the United States. Uh, and, and in any instance, a strong president is simply going to say, we're always going to defend American sovereignty. And whether Joe Biden was trying to do this with the World Health Organization or not, we know he's inclined to surrender American sovereignty at every turn or at least apologize for it.
0: Yeah, no, that's it. The, the, you see globalism in action with him, and it is pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, you got to see the fall of the Berlin Wall when you were stationed in Germany. Um, <clears throat> that was an extraordinary moment of a peace through strength foreign policy working to our advantage. Um, it seems like we're in a peace through appeasement phase, much like the old European models. Uh, is China the biggest concern uh, for, for making ground during this weakness of the Biden administration?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, number one to me is the bankrupting America. Bankrupt countries are really hard to defend and hard to secure. Uh, and, and, you know, ultimately, that's how we beat the Soviet Union. We, you know, pushed them to the point of bankruptcy. They've restructured, and now they're trying to claw their way back to relevance on the world stage. Uh, the Biden administration is busy bankrupting us. If we're not going to fight everyone else's wars, he seems committed to fund everybody else's wars. And look, I root root for Ukraine. I want them to be successful. Uh, I think it's good that we're helping them, but we shouldn't carry the whole load financially or six or seven times the rest of the planet. But right after bankrupting the country uh, is China. Uh, And, you know, China is a very different country under Xi Jinping. Uh, Unfortunately, Democrats hold hearings and they all but verbalize, gosh, we really envy the power and authority uh, of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, They really envy the kinds of techniques that the Chinese Communist Party has used to exert control over the people of China. And look, the people of China, great people. Uh, you know, they, they've got a great country. They're very innovative, incredibly hardworking. Uh, they love their country just like, you know, we do. And uh, But they have a horrible government. They got no path to change it, so they make the best of it. Uh, but it is a much worse country under Xi Jinping. We should be putting lots of pressure on that country, uh, country's uh, government to comply to the agreements they already made under the World Trade Organization. Uh, and you look how vulnerable we are, not just militarily, to the supply chain. Um, that's fundamentally what's happened in Europe. They were so dependent right. on Russia uh, that that part of the way Putin was able to exploit them is he thought that they couldn't go without the Russian energy. And frankly, it's a mutual dependence at some level. Uh, China is the same way. Their economy needs us to keep buying stuff. Uh, but But the whole world really is dependent upon China as a manufacturing hub. And China plans to leverage that, and they certainly did during this pandemic.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right. One last thing I wanted to mention, uh, you saw your colleagues on the left of the aisle uh, repeatedly demagogue and and insult and demean the Custom and Borders Patrol when they first came in. Uh, A lot of brave men and women serve in that agency. They try to keep the border safe, even with policies that are poking holes in it. Uh, But yesterday we saw in the midst of one of the worst tragedies we could ever imagine uh, these uh, border and patrol agents Rushing into a building where gunfire was happening, one of them was actually successful in neutralizing the evil shooter. There, uh, the irony that an agency that gets kicked around often by the left uh, was was there to serve once more, once again in a time of travesty. Do Democrats get that? Do they see the sacrifice you think that occurred yesterday? Yeah, I don't know how they don't. I
3: mean, they they seem to 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 dismiss it pretty readily, right? But but you know, it takes a special sort of person to. You know, everyone has this fight or flight mechanism and in the midst of incredible danger, a, a, a positive, This, you know, Customs and Border Patrol agent had fear, uh, but he had courage that overcame it. He moved into the uh, situation and, uh, you know, who knows how much worse it could have been, uh, but for his bold action and uh, as horrific as it is, it's just hard to fathom. It could be it could have been. Uh, made far worse. And, you know, if he saved one life, uh, he, he was willing to risk his own yeah. and, uh, and and thankfully was able to able to stop the stop the shooter. And, you know, you look not long ago, uh, it, you know, it, because of Biden's open border policies, we, you know, we had a National Guard soldier drown trying to save the life of someone, frankly, breaking our country's laws, trying to smuggle drugs in. But uh, the humanity that's shown, you know, our military, our our Border Patrol, our law enforcement, overwhelmingly a force for good in the world. And sometimes some of the Democrats, not all of them, some of them will certainly try to make it seem as if these people are a force for evil. And it is uh, it keeps reminding me of this verse from Isaiah. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And uh, I think woe to them indeed. Uh, amen
0: to that Uh, sir there's a great photo on your biography page of your website of you as a young officer i think with your mom and dad we're heading into memorial day and on behalf of uh, all of the justin news family i just want to say thank you for serving you you served in the military the 75th ranger regiment 101st airborne and now you serve our nation in congress and we're really grateful for that
3: well look it's an honor but let's not forget memorial day is for the people that paid the ultimate sacrifice they never came home and you know it's it's free to join but it certainly costs. cost some people everything and you know veterans Day is for those of us who served and, yeah. and made it home and memorial Day is really for those who didn't and gave uh gave everything for our country
0: well we are grateful that you were willing to take that risk and that sacrifice for us and of course we honor all those who have fallen it's going to be a remarkable week and we have a special show set up for monday to honor some of those fallen heroes but uh i want to thank you and also for the insights and a great interview we learned a lot from it today hope to get you back on real soon Anytime. Thanks, John. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this with a fascinating story uh, about a woke corporation that was feeding uh, LBGTQ books to five-year-olds. We're going to have that right after this.
4: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
0: All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Always excited to bring on this next guest. He and his team at Consumers Research do extraordinary investigations that protect you, the consumer, you, the American taxpayer. Uh, And they have another one. So joining us right now is the executive director of the Consumers Research, Will Hild. Will, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me back, John. Really appreciate it. You do so many important projects and you're looking out for consumers in so many different ways. One of my favorite new initiatives, which is about a little, about a year ago this month, I think, was the Consumers First Initiative. Talk a little bit about what that was aimed to do and how it delves into the world of woke corporations.
2: Absolutely, John. And thank you because you had, you were one of the first people to have me on to talk about the Consumers First Initiative when we launched it. I appreciate how much you followed uh, these important issues for consumers that we've been highlighting. The Consumers First Initiative is a project of our organization, Consumers Research, which is a simple uh, project. We're delivering a simple message to, to corporate America. They need to stop cozying up to woke politicians and woke activists and focus on serving their customers. And then you stop trying to distract from their misdeeds and their mistreatments of their customers by going woke. And so it's a multi-million-dollar ongoing ad campaign that targets companies that go woke. Uh, and and this is the next uh, iteration of it right now.
0: Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. And we've heard a lot of things about woke corporations, woke NGOs, the Salvation Army, BlackRock, and its ties to. China, all work, Levi's, uh, all American Express, all companies that you've taken a look at. But I think this last week, you broke one of the most shocking of all of the revelations. And and this is related to a, a pretty well-known company. It's out there a lot of the time. And uh, we have some famous commercials with Aaron Rodgers and other people, State Farm Insurance, of course. Tell us a little bit about what State Farm was doing with the Gender Cool Project.
2: Absolutely. We were approached by a whistleblower uh, several weeks ago who showed us emails where State Farm agents were asked by uh, the state company, State Farm, to purchase a set of books from something called the Gender Cool Project, which is aimed at kids as young as five. That's, That's kindergarten. Uh, kids as young as five, and asked the, to take these books and to donate them to their local public library, community center, or most notably, their local school, with the idea of getting these in the hands of, of kindergartners uh, or, or five, five age plus. And these books, let me just read off the titles for you. A kid's book about being transgender, a kid's book about being nonbinary. Okay, so this is transgender propaganda aimed at kindergartners that State Farm was asking their agents to donate to local public schools without notifying parents behind their back, um, and and they they thought this was a good idea. And so we were handed emails showing this from a whistleblower who was concerned. He had raised the alarm within the company first and was rebuffed, which is part of the reason that I am very dubious about this uh, State Farm's supposed 180 uh, here. This was already brought to their attention, and they did nothing. Um, And so we said, you know, of course, we were astonished. I mean, just just I mean, how do you even put words into words? How how uh, bizarre and creepy this is? We uh, wanted to first verify the email. So we reached out to some other state farm agents um, who were able to verify to us that they had also gotten this this email. This this email had gone out to Florida. Uh, State Farm agents. But in the email, it talks about being a nationwide program. So ostensibly, there's 49 other versions of this email that went out to uh, agents in in different states. And we were able to verify the veracity of of this email. And at that point, we said, there's just no question. uh, America's consumers, and in this case, even more importantly, America's parents had to be informed about what State Farm was doing with these books uh that are inappropriate they are you know targeting kindergartners and so on monday we launched our ad campaign our educa- awareness campaign against state farm uh maybe they should change their name to state harm uh because they say they're a good neighbor but they're they're acting like a creepy neighbor trying to target kids with transgender propaganda
0: yeah and you know people say oh i can't believe this was for age 5 that must be an exaggeration let me just read you this line From I'm not making this up. This is one of the corporate responsibility analysts at State Farm, writing all of the agents in the Florida area. And it starts, the project's goal is to increase representation of LGBTQ plus books and support our communities in having challenging, important, and empowering conversations with children age five plus. It's in writing, folks. This is not in doubt. And let me tell I want to ask you about this. There's another interesting Notation here. First off, I'll note that this corporate responsibility analyst, when he signs his uh, email, he uh, identifies his pr- preferred pronouns, which I found interesting he, him, his. He puts in parentheses around his name. Uh, so, this is someone that's very active in this area. But here is the most extraordinary part about it there seems to be an effort to sneak these in. And I'm going to read you a, a, a sentence here Agents are key to the success of this program. Well, nationwide, approximately 550 State Farm agents and employees will have the opportunity to donate this three book bundle to their local teacher, community center or library of choice. So they're trying to sneak this below places where they would be recorded, let's say, at a public school district as a donation. Uh, Talk about what you learned about how the Gender Cool Project is getting these, uh, these books into the in front of children without parents really having surveillance of it. Absolutely.
2: Well, as you just noted, what State Farm was asking was to purchase these books. So the State Farm is, agent is the one purchasing them. And then they want them donated to places where kids uh, go go to pick out books, you know, community centers, public libraries, and, of course, schools. And, you know, this is without any kind of notification to parents in the area or at these schools. There's nothing mentioned in the email that, like, you should maybe ask your customers who have kids whether this is something they would like them to do. Uh, I I mean, it it really is just, like I said, it's incredibly bizarre and and creepy. And the idea that anyone would read this email and not immediately uh, be appalled at the actions, it just really raises some incredible questions about what the heck State Farm thinks that they're doing. Um, And then I should note, uh, when we broke the news at at 10 a.m. on Monday Uh, uh, via a Twitter thread, by 2 o'clock, a letter had been sent internally. Uh, to employees. That letter was then leaked several hours later, but it was only a four-hour uh, difference. That letter stated to, to, to internal to employees say they were no longer going to be working with Gender Cool Project to get the books into public schools. But it did, they, they said that they still wanted to encourage these conversations, but they just realized that it was, the public school wasn't a good place to do that. Yeah. So they haven't even walked back from, initially, They on Monday when confronted with this, they didn't even walk back from wanting to get these uh, books in the hands of kids. And I'll do you even one better. When, we, uh, when, when uh, journalists uh, from the Washington Examiner and other publications first reached out to State Farm to get their statement, they denied completely that it happened at all. And it wasn't until we then provided these, we, we held back some of the evidence we had because we, we kind of had a feeling that this company was not uh, honest and might lie about their involvement. So we had photographic evidence From schools that had bragged about accepting the, the Facebook posts where there are pictures with them, teachers holding up the book with students, thanking State Farm and thanking the Gender Cool Project for the donation of these books. And it wasn't until they were confronted with this literal photographic evidence of what they had done that they admitted that they'd actually lied. Uh, and said that they 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 had not done this. So this is a company uh that I just want to make clear, no matter what you may have heard about them backtracking, they have lied at every step of the way and uh they should not be trusted. And so we don't think that this most recent statement is is good enough. Uh they need they, they have uh thankfully we're happy obviously that they're no longer in the business of distributing these books. But those books could still be, are, probably are still on the shelves in a number of schools and libraries, and they haven't said anything about what they're going to do to fix that.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of many issues that are unresolved in this. Let me ask you this, because I think uh, you uh, one of the great things I, I love about What you do at Consumers Research is you're not only about exposing, you're also about proposing solutions. So you have an idea of what you think State Farm should do to remedy this, to give parents confidence that their child is not going to end up getting exposed to one of these books when they're five years old, when the parent's not ready for that child to have that conversation. Obviously, the child's not even intellectually ready to have that conversation. But tell us the things you would like to see State Farm do to rectify the situation.
2: Absolutely. That's a great question, John. Thank you for asking me. We think there's just at the very least at the bare minimum, there's three simple things that State Farm must do before they can claim to no longer be a creepy neighbor or to even care about a kid. One, they need to it's clear that internally they have a problem with honesty. And clearly there's probably some employees right now who are worried about their jobs. So they need to go get an external third party, credible party to audit. Every program, not just this one, because they're claiming they didn't know about this one. So what else, you know, could they be up to, right? So they need to get a credible third party to audit every program they have inside that company that targets children and find out what's being done, you know, who's being targeted on on what subjects. Two, they need to go and figure out every single place these books were donated, every community center, every public library, and especially every school, okay? And they need to do their best to go retrieve those materials, and get them out of the hands of kids. And then three, they need to make the audit and this list available to the public so that people can understand whether their kids were affected and customers can understand what was done in their name. So uh, we just think if if, if they can't do those three very simple things to try and undo the damage that could still be going on today, by the way, there could be a kid reading these books right now in a public library or public school. If they can't do these three simple things then any idea that they are a good neighbor and not a creepy neighbor or that they even give a lick about their customers, parents, or especially children is just absurd, they clearly don't.
0: Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. And transparency is the best way for them to address this. Be transparent about, all right, you acknowledge that what you did wasn't right, uh, but be transparent, give people some accountability and, and allow this to go back. Have you heard anything from State Farm uh, since uh, other than the announcement that they were dropping from the program?
2: No, in fact, they haven't reached out to us at all, uh, which uh, certainly in no circumstances would we ever reveal the whistleblower. But you think that they would reach out to us and, and want help. If, if, if what they say is true, that the top execs had no idea this was going on, then you, wouldn't you think that they would reach out to the person, to the group that discovered it and want to know the details so they can sure get to the, to the bottom of it? They you haven't sure even they haven't emailed. They haven't picked up the phone. Uh, it's just clear that they just want this to go away. They don't actually care about making it right.
0: It is extraordinary these companies uh, don't seem to have the ability to deal transparency with the public on all these issues and I, I think that this is the great challenge I, there is a uh, this is I think the ultimate example of how much the thinking in the left side of America has evolved I mean it started with Hillary Clinton's book it takes a village where the concept was planted that uh, everybody has a role in educating your child and starting to move the concept that the child's you know, primary nurturers are mom and dad in the the internal family unit. Then we saw teachers and schools getting involved today. You have teachers who think it's okay to take a kid to an abortion and not tell their parents, all sorts of things. Now you've got corporate America. It's like the third concentric ring uh, now trying to impose its value system on children rather than letting the parents decide the best value system for their children. How did we get this far? How did corporate America get away from products and services and and profits and and, and that to, it's our job to help raise your kid for you?
2: It, that is a great question, John. It's one I get all the time. Why are the companies doing this? Uh, you know, what's in it for them? What possible motivation could they have for going woke and especially in this case, doing something so, obviously vile. Uh, and, and it's a great question. And, uh, you know, I, I think the problem is, from what we've seen, that you have camps within these corporations whose job isn't to serve customers. They don't see their role there at the at the companies to actually, you know, provide quality insurance in the case of State Farm to, to see. They're there to hijack the machine of the corporation in order to push political activism, and in this case, bizarre ideologies on small children. And until enough pressure is put on these corporations to excise those camps from within their companies, this stuff is, is going to keep yeah, happening. It sure and I'll just is. note, for, I, I, I want to make sure that I do not, obviously we've laid out a number of very troubling things about what State Farm has done, but I want to make sure I get an optimistic point in here, and that is this company is shaking right now because they are hearing from thousands and thousands of their customers. And this story, I appreciate all that you've done to highlight the work that Consumers Research does, but this story isn't about Consumers Research, and it's certainly not about Will Hill. It is about the power of consumers when they are educated and savvy, making their voice heard. And we're going to be there to educate consumers and amplify their voice, but the true heroes of this story are the State Farm customers and the parents who've reached out across the nation, overwhelmingly to uh, voice their concern and their disapproval with this company. And they are terrified right now. Uh, And I can tell you, keep, please keep the pressure on. It matters. It makes a difference. You are the hero of this story. So please get out there and let State Farm know how you feel about this.
0: Don't poke a mama bear and a papa bear. They will always respond. And I think that's one of the lessons State Farm has learned the hard way. Last question here, because I can't imagine that State Farm was acting in isolation, do you have any evidence that there are other uh, companies that are involved with this program and uh, donating or or having employees work on the very same program that was uh, identified here?
2: Absolutely, John. It's a great question once again. So before they took their list of sponsors down off their website, GenderCool had a number of other major household names sponsoring the project. Uh, names like Bayer names like general mills uh all state insurance actually was a, was a sponsor of of, of the co- of the project so unfortunately th- this is not something uh, just isolated to state Farm. State Farm is the only company where we have direct evidence that the company itself was buying books and donating them. but we are currently in the process of researching whether other companies were involved to that level, and at the very least, there were a number of other major companies h p dell uh, that uh, Adobe Oracle. Uh, who were sponsors of this uh, bizarre effort to target uh, children uh, on these issues. kindergartners I say, target kindergartners on issues of transgenderism and, and being non-binary. Um, so uh, unfortunately, is not just limited to, to State Farm, but we're going to be out there uh, notifying uh, consumers about these issues on them as well. And any of those companies right now that hear me and realize that they've been sponsoring Gender Cool, I recommend you come clean very quickly because we are out there, we are coming for you and we are not going to let you get away with
0: it. We did a deep dive uh, on the Gender Cool site, went back to the uh, Wayback Machine to get the list of partners and supporters that they had listed on there. I'm just going to give everybody a quick list of names you'll recognize. Dell, Intuit, Nike, Intel, VMware, Out and Equal, CB Richard Ellis, CBRE, Hewlett-Packard, Bayer, JL, Allstate Foundation, uh, ABBVI, AbbVie, that's one I'm not familiar with and Prudential. There's some of the Companies that show up on their the billboard that GenderCool used to have up on their site until a few days ago. Uh, Will, an amazing piece of work here. This is public service, just letting people know and letting people decide for themselves what's best for their ch- children. How do people stay in touch with all the good work that you guys are doing at Consumers Research?
2: Absolutely. They can follow me at at Will Hild on Twitter, at Will Hild. And then I, we can certainly visit our website, consumersresearch.org, Research. Consumersresearch. .org. And for people who would like to specifically find out more about this, they can visit likeacreepyneighbor.com, likeacreepyneighbor.com.
0: Wow, amazing stuff. And do you guys
2: have a newsletter? We do. We have a, if you go to our website, you can sign up for our email newsletter and we'll get uh, the word of our every campaign out to you.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. It keeps people really up to date. You're doing so much work. It's almost hard to keep up with it because you're doing such valuable work and at a rapid speed. Will, a great honor to have you on this show. Great work on this. Uh, we're going to try to tell this story tonight in a larger story on justthenews.com with our great reporter later on in the day. So we'll have that and uh, thank you. I'll have to get you back on real soon absolutely john thanks for having me on i look forward to coming on again it's an honor all right folks we are gonna take a quick commercial break when we come back we're gonna wrap things up for the day a very busy news day indeed
4: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Always love having you with us. And we had a great day to a lot of news in here. Big thanks to Will Hill, who we just heard from, and that incredible story about State Farm. Congressman Warren Davidson, a lot of wisdom, a lot of insight, a lot of ideas of what Congress can do to fix what ails America, starting with that bloated. Debt that we're, we just keep piling on every day, and of course, Mark Morgan speaking out on behalf of the Customs and Border Protection. Our border patrol agents—they get demeaned all the time, and they don't get the credit they deserve for their extraordinary heroism that they showed yesterday in uvalde Texas. All around, great show. Thank you guys for coming and, and being part of it. All right, before we go, it's time in the podcast to tell you about one of the great offers, one of the great opportunities that are partners, our sponsors, our advertisers, the people who make justthenews.com possible, make John Solomon Reports possible, make the television show Just the News, Not Noise possible. And one of them, our good friends at Birch Gold. You know them well, right? The Birch Gold Group. We have Philip Patrick on all the time. He has been the guy calling it right on the economy for months now. He's kept you ahead of all of the failures of the Bidenomics agenda. We saw some new parts of that today with a poll that we had on justthenews.com showing that parents were cutting back on their summer activities because they couldn't afford it. That's right. Gas, inflation, groceries, too expensive. So they cancel a trip, cancel a summer camp. What an extraordinary punishment to people that were locked up for two years during the pandemic this is the year we could get out and now it's too expensive to get out parents are making hard choices between the gas tank and the grocery store and that means the fun stuff like a vacation like a family vacation or a summer camp becoming harder to do for many working and middle-class families that's Bidenomics for you all right Birch Gold has been telling you about that for a long time But now the market is so volatile. The losses are nearly 20% in the market since the beginning of the year. That's one-fifth of the value of the market gone. That means one-fifth of your retirement could be already at risk or gone or vanished. Well, our good friends at Birch Gold have an extraordinary opportunity, and that is to bring gold and precious metals into your retirement portfolio. Why would you do that? Well, gold has maintained its value better than any other investment in the world over many, many years, and particularly during financially in flame times like we're living in now the uncertainty and volatility is scary gold kind of is the steady eddy in a tight market so if you want to find out how you can bring gold into a tax free IRA or 401k pension project well all you got to do is text the word just news to 989898 that's pretty easy right just news to 989898 for a free zero obligation Info kit on how you bring gold into a tax-sheltered retirement account. Again, all you gotta do to get that, get started, do it over the weekend when it's holiday. Text the word just news to nine eight nine eight nine eight. So new just news to ninety-eight ninety-eight ninety-eight, and secure the gains you've made on your retirement while you can by securing them with precious metals. All right, folks, that wraps up another great show. Thank you for being part of it. We're so blessed to have been here with you. Tonight, we have a very important special on uh, the China syndrome affecting America. We are not keeping our eye on the ball in Washington on the threats, the competitiveness, the IP theft and losses that China is imposing on our country as it tries to knock us from the number one military and economic perch in the world. We got a great, great set of guests tonight, including former Trump economic advisor Steve Moore, former Trump China advisor, Dr. Michael Pillsbury, one of the brightest minds in all of the world when it comes to China policy. Our friends at Heritage Action for America are joining us, friends from Heritage Foundation. The Heritage Action for America is actually making this special possible with a gracious donation. And we're going to kick off that special tonight at 6 p.m. on Real America's Voice with Congressman Greg Stubbe from the great state of Florida. He's one of the most cogent voices on keeping our eye on China. What a great lineup. Stubbe, Pillsbury, Moore, some great friends from Half Up and Heritage Foundation. Don't miss it. This is an important conversation. Beijing's malign influence is spreading faster than ever because of the policies under Joe Biden. We're going to describe how and why, what they've done to stop effective policies, including a very important FBI spy program that was shut down by the Biden Justice Department in February. Just a few weeks after the FBI director, Chris Way, made a clarion call to take action. How about that? They ignored their own FBI director, even though the president always says, oh, we won't get involved in politics in law enforcement. Well, they did in that case. Check out that special tonight, 6 p.m. on Real America's Voice. It's Channel 219 if you've got Dish Network, Channel 240 if you love the internet-based television network known as Pluto, and it's on all the apps, including Real America's Voice own iOS and Android app, on the Roku app, on the Samsung app, on the Apple TV app, and of course, the Just the News app. Yeah, you sometimes forget about that. We've got an iOS and a Android app for just to do as, When you want to watch a show, just click on the watch button. Our latest television program, including my show around there, click on the listen button, and you can actually get our podcast every day. Just a quick, easy way to download and use it. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And thanks to all of our great guests. We'll be back tomorrow with another day of exclusive reporting, newsmaker interviews. Right here at John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash
1: subscribe.